0: Oh, I've been looking forward to this conversation. He's joined me dozens of times over the years. Rick Essenberg, president. Is it president and CEO? Yeah, right? Both? President and general counselor. General counselor. It's the phraseology we use. <laughs> Somebody called you a consigliere I saw in an op-ed piece of uh, <laughs> the yeah, Republican that, Party. That, that, what that, do you think about cool. when you hear stuff like that?
1: Well, if I'm a consigliere, it's not of the Republican Party, because the Republican Party is definitely not doing what I would advise them to do. I love the, I love the honesty and the passion on that. Alright, so let, let's start with the Trump question. This
0: is, what, like, everybody's talking about this. I saw countless news programs last night. Does the the Constitution's insurrection clause somehow bar the president, former president,
1: from running for president again? Probably not. I mean, it's a long shot, but it's not no shot. It's like uh, any other legal question, particularly uh, as it applies to language, it was adopted a long time ago. This was adopted in the wake of the Civil War. The immediate impetus of it, but it's not so limited, is, was to uh, uh, prevent you know, Confederates from uh, you know, becoming uh, holders of offices of public trust unless Congress uh, pardoned them. Uh, here, um, you, you have to ask yourself – Is what Trump did like what happened in the Civil War? Was it like uh, the secession? And I think that um, like any complicated legal question, when you answer it, you have to have due consideration for the whole structure in which it fits. And that means you have to respect the right of the voters to pick the candidate they want. So you can't be too stringent. Um, When you're talking about what constitutes insurrection or rebellion, you have to be very, very careful about not uh, making insurrection and rebellion out of what are speech acts, right? Just trying to convince somebody to do something that they could do. And I think when you put that all together, I think it's unlikely that uh, the, the ultimate arbiter of this, the Supreme Court, or even most judges for that matter, would conclude that this bars Trump from the ballot. And although I'm a conservative, you know, Steve, I am no fan of Donald Trump. And if he announced tomorrow that he wasn't running for president, there would be parties and festivities at the Essenberg household (laughs) all weekend. I think that echoes a lot of people's thoughts. So what do you think? I
0: saw this last night as well of the actions of secretary of states around the country who are actively looking at this issue and saying, well, oh, maybe we'll restrict him from our ballot. That's,
1: that suggests to me that well, would move up to the Supreme it, Court. But it is, and it creates a hot mess. Uh, my colleague Dan Lenington and I had uh, a piece in uh, National Review, and uh, we, we sort of uh, took off on the Oppenheimer movie, right, where Oppenheimer says, look, nobody knows what's going to happen until you use it. And Uh, when you use it you're going to you could start a chain reaction which could destroy the world and you don't know until they finally blew one up that that wasn't going to happen uh here i think the the likely outcome is that the case would find its way to the u.s supreme court relatively quickly and the u.s supreme court would say "Nah, that's not what this was intended for but uh there is because of the fact that states run our presidential elections you know we have you know fifty different elections for electors in fifty different states and and we even have clerks who decide who can be on the ballot or not this is something that could pop up all over the place and it's popped up first in colorado but i suspect that there will be other places too and i suspect that there will be some judges and some public officials who come to the conclusion that yes i think that this does apply and that uh... we're kicking trump off the ballot and then at that point, the Trump campaign has to conclude that, uh, or has to get this case up before the U.S. Supreme Court, and the justices have to decide. Yeah, we want to get involved in this, and they might decide they don't. Then what happens? Back to the states. Well, then you've got chaos, right? You the, the chain reaction is now out of control because you've got uh, you've got some states where. Uh, you know, the states have ruled that Trump is off the ballot. Some states where they he's ruled he's on the ballot, you have everybody hot and bothered. Uh, you know, the Republicans think that the Democrats have acted in a way which effectively canceled the presidential election. Uh, the Democrats at the same time are concerned that, uh, well, look what this guy did, you know. I mean, he lied about the election results and how could we ever trust him again to, to uh, uphold his oath of office and uh, our whole aggravated polarized political situation becomes much more difficult than it's, than it's been in the past. And so Dan and I concluded that really the best thing is to do exactly what we did with nuclear weapons, and that is uh, give in to mutual deterrence. And I think the Democrats need to stop the lawfare, and the Republicans, they really need to think about somebody else. How re- I, you, you and I have talked about this away from the show as well. How realistic is this?
0: Even though no votes have been cast yet and we are still talking about uh, essentially a two man race of the same guys last time it's like what are we doing here why do we even have primaries
1: well you know there's a real collective action problem here because because it, you know uh if 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 you really look at republicans and you ask them what they really think about Donald Trump most of them don't want him to be president but they think that you know this is what the this is what the the, the very intensely uh dedicated base wants they think it's inevitable that they, they they want you know they'll vote for him before they vote for Biden at the same time uh if you talk to Democrats and hey, most of them if they're if they're you know if they're saying the things that they don't want to admit to publicly uh, out loud to you they'll say yeah we understand he shouldn't be president anymore he's he, he doesn't have what it takes neither of them have what it takes but they're afraid if they move away from him they'll either create a bigger problem and that the Kamala Harris will become the candidate or they'll be in a situation where they don't have anybody that they think can beat Trump. And so uh, mutually assured destruction isn't working in this situation. And it's not working because the parties themselves really don't have any power. They can't control the outcome of this because we've gone to popular sovereignty in using primaries to elect candidates. And there is a downside to that.
0: Okay, so here's the other big question that I have. Um, we're obviously going through all these multiple cases across multiple jurisdictions, and there are so many legal issues involved here. Where does free speech turn into like a call, a call for action? That's one of them. Um, the handling of documents, top secret, highly classified documents—that's another one. What, those are states'
1: cases, right? Except, except for the for the one in Washington D.C. the Fed, the DOJ well, case. There are two cases that relate to January 6th. One is the Georgia Rico case, which is a mess. It's way too complicated. I don't know what they were thinking down there. The other is the Jack Smith case, which I think is a little bit more focused and has an opportunity to go to trial. The the Jack Smith case, for a lot of reasons, some of which I've written about publicly, I think has a lot of difficulties, uh, even though... Even if we agree that the conduct is, as I believe, was uh, reprehensible, uh, the uh, the document case is different. The document case, I think, is pretty solid. And the 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 most you can say is, well, they should have charged Hillary Clinton with the same thing. But the thing of it is, in a criminal case, the fact that you think that they should have charged somebody else with the crime too is not a defense. And uh, but the documents case is even less likely to fit into the insurrection or rebellion category fascinating times in american politics i uh, will take a break
0: here rick essenberg our guest steven sandy wtmj now
2: good morning, morning. <laughs> i'm sandy Max with steve scafidi and welcoming to wtmj now continuing the conversation with president and general counsel of the wisconsin institute for law and liberty rick essenberg rick you've uh, had some enlightening interpretations of law so far and where we find ourselves understanding that the former president is innocent until proven guilty. But should anyone who has been convicted as a felon be president? Well, it certainly isn't ideal. Um, <laughs> uh,
1: there, there is there's a different law in Wisconsin where, where a conviction of felony can bar you just in and of itself from public office. And so there is one uh, fairly prominent uh, uh, person who got caught up in the caucus scandals years ago who pointed out to me that uh, uh, because certain felons are barred from public office in Wisconsin, it has to be a, I can't remember the definition, it has to be some felony involving the public trust. He could not be elected as a state assembly person in Wisconsin, but he could be elected to Congress because there's no comparable law uh, on the federal level that uh, applies. Now, it could be that if there was a conviction for, in, in Particularly in the Smith, January sixth case, that it would be easier to conclude at that point because uh, that uh, uh, he uh, falls within this Section three of the Fourteenth Amendment. Um, but the thing to keep in mind, and you know, one of the things that has happened on you know Twitter, which Steve, I know that you know that that that, that is such a um, deep and profound and civil conversation (laughs) that occurs on Twitter is that you know I would point out some of the things that Dan and I have written and and, uh, about this particular section 3 issue people will say well he wasn't charged with insurrectionism and convicted insurrection Well, the constitutional clause does not say that he has to be uh, charged or convicted however if he is charged or convicted I think that that makes as a political matter if nothing else it makes it harder for a judge to conclude that section 3 does not apply and does provide cover for a judge who's otherwise inclined to uh, apply it. I've
0: asked you this question before and maybe I'm not summarizing correctly, but Bush Gore was that the US Supreme Court saying basically, you know, you guys you're messing this up, we're going to take this and
1: decide it. Is that a correct non-legal well, I I think what happened review is of what they did? right, but I think what happened there is that Gore wanted to have a recount But he wanted to have a recount only in four counties that he thought would benefit him and the supreme court said ah no 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 you can't do that uh that because that would result in an unequal uh, evaluation or unequal uh, method of counting the votes in all of the counties in florida and since there isn't time to do a statewide recount and because Florida wanted to meet this safe harbor provision, which is in federal law, did not have their electoral votes challenged, that uh, there's nothing we can do. It's done. It's done as a matter of Florida law, and uh, uh, to to go any further would raise a federal constitutional problem. So here's my follow up.
0: So that was after the election, obviously later in the year. Could and I sort of asked this or did a little pretext on this earlier with my questioning. Could the U.S. Supreme Court, based on any of these individual cases that are scattered around, Department of Justice, Washington, D.C., Fulton County, Georgia, say, you know what? We have to make a statement as the Supreme Court of the United States of America that these things can't happen in an election. Could they do any of that?
1: No, not not just that, because the, the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't have the power to simply pronounce on uh, what the law is. They have to have a case. Well, they have four cases right now. Right. And so the question is how quickly will those cases get to them? Uh the Colorado case was filed in state court. Now, that means it's going to have to go all the way up the state court system. Now, that can happen faster than we sometimes are uh used to, uh but uh, uh and there's complications because Trump is a defendant and Trump could remove it, but only if the Colorado Secretary of State agrees and uh the, the the hope, the thing that might at least make this less of a mess than it might otherwise be is that the Supreme Court gets a case up there uh, relatively uh, quickly. But that's going to depend upon what other courts do. It's going to uh, depend upon what the litigants do. The worst possible scenario would be Trump gets the nomination. And then the case goes up to the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court says, yeah, he's not eligible to run under Section 3. And then you've got chaos in the presidential election because because one of the major parties has nominated an, inel- an ineligible candidate. But that's then that's the party's responsibility at their convention to sort that out. Well, and this is why Dan and I came to the conclusion that we did, that that we shouldn't play with fire, right? We shouldn't play with nuclear weapons, basically, That right. that... that the the Democrats shouldn't start this thing because here's the thing about you know legal questions you have to think more deeply because because the law proceeds by analogy and it follows precedent and so you have to say okay if I if I let this go through and I remove a a, a, a leading presidential contender from the ballot what principle of can I have I established. And how can this be used in the future because that's the way courts work. And so you can't decide this case by saying, as I I think I suggested in in before and saying that, you know, it's not like I want Donald Trump to be president. You can't decide this case based upon whether, geez, how do I feel about Donald Trump and do I want him to be president or not? You have to think longer term about what kind of principle. And so that's why Dan and I concluded that, that we're really playing with fire here. And maybe just as the the best thing in the world was never to use nuclear weapons again, the best thing is never to use, to, to play with this kind of fire. I
0: love that point. Uh, we'll take a break here. Um, think about this during the break. Lots of conversation last night. The president apparently said he wants to testify in his own defense enthusiastically. You're an attorney. I imagine attorneys in your sidebar conversations, wherever you have in coffee shops or courtrooms. you got to love this this story and, and the potential of what that might be. We'll, we'll continue with Rick Essenberg after this.
2: Good morning. I'm Sandy Max with Steve's Graffiti, and we are having a hearty conversation with President and General Counsel of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Rick Essenberg had some very interesting insights so far on Trump's. Political and uh, legal issues.
0: Yeah, so I was watching. All, I watch all the networks every night. I kind of sample them from all the way from MSNBC to Newsmax and Fox and all that stuff. A little bit, a lot less than I used to. Let's put it that way. And the big conversation, topic of conversation. The president has enthusiastically said he wants to testify in his own defense. So, your thoughts on that
1: potential situation? Well, if does it, I'm sure that that will happen over the advice of his defense counsel, because <laughs> right. I don't think any defense counsel would think that that is likely to lead to good things for him. Uh, I I was saying during the break that, you know, I I used to do trial work. I'm basically an appellate lawyer now, uh, so I haven't cross-examined anybody in a long time, but the prospect of being able to do that would make me want to go back, because this could be the type of task that you would undertake, and when completed, you could say to yourself... Now I can die um, uh, be, because, I, you know, I, I, I think Trump thinks that in a courtroom that type of trading insults and, you know, playground game of dozens is going to work. And it doesn't. I mean, first of all, the judge don't let you do it. And and, you know, I I, I think that that plays to a certain crowd, uh, but it tends to backfire when you're in court. And so I think if he did that, I think it would be. A mistake, because the problem here is that in all of these cases, there really isn't any dispute about what happened. He's not going to convince anybody that he didn't do what they say he did because it, he's the president. I mean, you can't do anything that isn't recorded and documented. The question is, what do you make of it? And I don't think he's going to help himself on the question of what do you make of it? Yeah, the you know it
0: is what it is to, to use a term I don't really like that much, but that's I mean he's he's essentially admitted to many of these
1: things, and and going in in front of a well, he even, officer, Yeah, I mean he doesn't even have to admit it to it because like when you're president, your life is basically recorded. Right. I mean it's it's I mean it. Let's go back and look at what happened in the Kennedy assassination where, like, you know, you had to get an amateur photographer. But that's not the way things are today. Right. And so everybody knows what he said. Everybody knows where he was. And uh, I just don't think that he's the spin that he puts on it is going to be any better than the spin that his lawyers could put on it.
2: You know, we heard the phrase double down so often during his presidency. I mean Is this just a really bizarre chess game where he's just going to double down go all the way and also get elected president so he can pardon himself no matter how far he goes into the court system
1: people tend to do what works for them right and and so if if you if you do this the same thing you know 12 times and it works for you well why not do it a 13th time and he's always had this tendency to double down um i think people that know trump better and have studied him for a long time would say that well no he'll occasionally pull back he went into bankruptcy when he had to several times uh i don't know uh, i think that uh, in in this situation um i think he's probably come to the conclusion that full steam ahead is probably the the best route out for him and yeah so, we we'll, we'll find out uh, real quick because i want to ask you about this we were talking
0: in the first half hour about the this idea that Republicans in the state legislature may go after the newly elected justice, Janet Persewitz. I It's a political question. I, I'm not really, I don't really need your opinion on that, but you have argued previously that the, the first amendment gives even candidates, judicial candidates, some opportunity to speak to these larger issues. Is that
1: correct? Right. There's a case called Republican Party versus White. Uh, justice Scalia actually wrote it and came to the conclusion that the uh, Uh, disciplinary rules that say a judicial candidate can't announce their position on an issue um, violate the First Amendment. Uh, And I think that was reflected in the decision of the Judicial Commission uh, in a letter that was released last May, but for some reason was only reported this week, uh, not to proceed with proceedings against her. But recusal is a different question, right? You may have the right to say something, but then have an obligation uh, to recuse because of the implications of what you said. You have a, may have a right to take a bunch of campaign contributions from somebody, but then have a duty to recuse because of what that does to the uh, appearance of your ability to be partial. And so I think that these are, are different questions, and uh, the Supreme Court can't handle it because in a in, in a – Case uh, from about 12 years ago called State versus Henley. The Wisconsin Supreme Court says that the other justices cannot force uh, one of their colleagues off the court. But in that same opinion, they, they said that the remedy, uh, the only way to get a justice off the court other than a recall would be impeachment or address. It's a legislative remedy. Should it be used in this situation? That's something that we can argue about. Is it Improper to use it in this situation. That's an entirely different question. And some people would distinguish between impeachment and address because they would say uh, uh, impeachment requires some type of corruption, and maybe not recusing isn't that. But uh, uh, I think that uh, this is, uh, as you say, ultimately a political question. That I, I know we got to
0: let you go, but I, one more one more question before we get we get out of here for the news. Um, if recusal is the issue could then you go and relitigate previous cases where justices
1: maybe had a clear conflict and they didn't recuse. No, I don't think it could do that um, because I think you have a rule of finality here. Uh, I'm also not sure. See, p- part of the problem here is that, you know, with all due respect, New Justice Protoche brought this on herself by choosing to campaign in a way that judicial candidates normally don't campaign. If it was just the money, that would be one thing. If it was just the statements about the MAP case, which wasn't a statement of a legal position, it was a conclusion about facts that she could not have heard any evidence of. When you put that all together, together with her statement that, well, you know, I would recuse myself in a case involving the Democratic Party because how could voters believe I was fair? And now she wants to make a distinction because it's not the incorporated Democratic Party. It's just affiliated organizations and voters that are trying to advance its interest. When you put all those things together, you have a more difficult question around recusal. And all of that was things that she chose to do. Man,
0: I could spend an hour with you, and maybe we'll do it on our next visit. Rick Essenberg, President, General Counsel, is that the right term? General, yes. General Counsel, Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. I'll see you in a couple weeks.